The technology landscape is exploding, and it has never been a better time to be an entrepreneur. There's so much information out there, it can be hard to know where to start or who to trust. Your host, David Paul, is a seasoned venture capital investor that has founded his own investment firm, DWP Capital. He's a straight shooter that cuts through all the noise to bring you real and authentic conversations with investors, founders, and operators in the startup ecosystem. Join him each week to stay current with today's trends and get smarter about startups and tech investing. Hello, everybody. Today, I am interviewing John Wapsh, founder and CEO of Nerve, which is a neobank for independent musicians. Prior to that, John was the chief innovation officer at Casasa, which is a fintech platform providing new type of loan origination programs and services for community banks and credit unions. He got there via acquisition of his first startup, which was first ROI. John, how are you doing today? Wow, I'm doing great, man. You've done some research. Uh-huh. Yeah. I do about 15 minutes and <laughs> like I feel, I feel oh, pretty good about it. <laughs> but the thing is, if I don't do it like within like four hours and I, I look at my notes, I'm like, oh, I got to do like the research all over again because forget it, huh? yeah, yeah, forget I it. It's, uh, it's not good, but uh, you doing all right today? It's a wonderful day. I'm, I'm in Austin, Texas. Where are you? I'm in Phoenix. Yeah. We're in Zoom. We're in the cloud, right? Like this location ever, like... Does this location matter anymore? I, I, I like to think it still does uh, in some ways. Like, you know, I mean, uh, I, I care where I live. I yeah. Know. Well, I don't, I don't like Maybe nobody people. else does. <laughs> yeah. I mean, when founders, you know, it's definitely a different chessboard today. And founders like very much like to stay on, on the Zoom um, when pitching yeah. investors. And, you know, I just tell them like, I'm, I, I'm, believe I'm, I, I don't internet date. Um, so, I mean, I do, but like not when I'm giving them money, but so, uh, I, did, I, I, I have, uh, I have run into that where there are a few investors who are like, oh, you got to come to my town and come meet me, mm. which definitely is, uh, uh, to be quite frank, it's, it's a little annoying because it's like, man, I just took a day or two days out of, uh, out of the office to go meet you. Well, I mean, are they further Sorry, down, the, the, are they, are they, are they further down the pike or are they just kind of tired kicking? I, they're probably tire kickers, to be honest. I, I, I've, uh, you know, on the other hand, other investors that have actually given given me money, <laughs> I've never met personally. Sometimes, you know, I mean, I met them on Zoom, right? That's uh, not not face to face, and so you might be right. Strange, maybe, maybe that's the case. But it sounded like you were saying that you demand a, uh, a uh, somebody like me to show up. No, no. I, if they're in town here in Phoenix, you know, okay. I. I I, I definitely want an in-person meeting. If it's a deal that I'm trying to lead, I fly to you first, right? And then generally, um, you know, so I can kind of view the, the the people, the context, you know, if there is an office. And then generally when we get, and then we do a term sheet, right? So the expenses on my part. Okay. And then after term sheet, prior to close, I usually then will make management fly to me because it's a little bit easier that way. And then I kind of have a collective like, you know, check to make sure that uh, a sanity check, right? To make sure that I feel good about everybody on the bus. And then we write the check. But there's like, there's committal points, right? I mean, there's right. a term sheet written, right? There's right. money right. being spent. 
So well, now what's, what's your, what's your philosophy on, uh, on, on whether or not I, as a, as a startup uh, founder and our startup organization, should we have an office? You just, you just mentioned, you like to kind of John, stop trying to hijack my show. You, I, you know, <laughs> dude, I set the agenda. You, you, you follow my questions, John. Just, <laughs> then, then we could go all into. You could talk about me. You know, if we need some space to kill. But all right, you're right. Um, I didn't do the 15 minutes of research on you, so you didn't do the 15 minutes I'll of research on me. All right, John. We're hearing fintech is exploding. Right, everyone talks about it. Everyone talks conceptually about neobanks. Before we kind of go into you and Nerve, what's a neobank? Sure. Uh, neobank and challenger bank tend to be these days used interchangeably, uh, whereas I guess the challenger bank term kind of typically has referred to organizations of the same ilk that come from Europe. Um, and neobanks tend to be here in the U.S., but... Uh, just to boil it down real simply, it's a technology company that's partnered with one or several banking institutions that either have licenses in the uh, in the former case or uh, charters in the latter so that, um, you know, we can offer uh, FDIC insured products and services with a um, more, uh, say, technology focused front end. So, um enabling us to easily solve solutions for particular sets of uh, customers. So a really easy example of a neobank today would be like Chime. Um, if you've mm -hmm. seen Chime, uh, that, that's an example of a neobank. They, they don't yet uh, have a bank charter themselves. They have uh, one or a couple of different banks that they work for with. For those who don't know what Chime and, is, uh, tell them what Chime, Chime is. Goodness, if you don't know what Chime is, uh, you could download the app and, and check it out. It's a, essentially banking um, on your phone, free banking that uh, that's super accessible. And, in, in, um, you know, think of it as like a, a personal checking account, except with uh, without a checkbook. Cause, and it's designed for people that are just not that want a better user interface. Chime in its case is primarily uh, focused on um, on the uh, quote unquote uh, underbanked uh, personal underbank market. Um, you know, people who maybe either don't have a traditional personal checking account um, uh, prior to Chime for any number of reasons. And um, but you know, you'll find you'll find neobanks these days. Uh, that are that are starting to be more sort of targeted or focused as opposed to general market. So, you know, when when we think about about uh, banking, we really think about what what problems uh, uh, are, can we solve as opposed to, you know, what are all the different services that we can offer. So mm -hmm. when you you know, think about banks of maybe the the, two, the early two thousands or late 90s or maybe even the way you think about banks today is when I walk into a bank, they have every single possible product that anybody could ever want, right? I can get a mortgage from them. I can get a credit card from them. I could get an auto loan. I could get a whatever. Um, neobanks today tend to be very focused on who exactly am I serving and what are their exact problems and how do I solve those exact problems, you know, better than anybody, any other it is it is demographic market vertical specific 
It's right. pretty much the right way to think about it. You know, usually, you know, community, you know, if you think about a community being shared passions or, or shared uh, challenges, as opposed to maybe a geographic community of days in, in the past, uh, that's, that's really what, what we're focused on is, you know, these people all kind of share, uh, share the same challenges. And so let's, let's, uh, let's address those. Yeah, and I think how you talk about nerve and in the, in the, and we're going to talk all about that and how the, the the population that you serve you do a really good job in addressing the pain points. Um, but I really want to take a step back before we get to nerve because your story around um, Kasasa and understanding fintech, understanding community banks, and building what I would say product market fit going from the agency side into the software side. Like I'm really interested in that because, um, you know, in, in the realm of vertical SaaS, I just think there's just an incredible opportunity for TAM expansion um, using these type of neobanks and, and opening up access to, to financials within companies. But you have to know the, you have to know the customer, right? And you have to have that product market fit. You have to understand the wallet share. So what I would love to do is I would love to understand the story of first ROI into Kasasa and then how you really dialed in that product. And then we can go into Nerve, which is just an incredible, fascinating story. Thank you. That's uh, that's a, uh, yeah, I'd, I'd love to chat about it. So first ROI really came from uh, kind of two, two, two things. The first was I was, um, I, I had just come off the heels of a, an agency that i uh, was sort of a co-founder um, representative of uh, back in Chicago, and um, and what we did there was um, you know this was this was the late '90s, early 2000s. So um, <clears throat> so you know there was a, there was a lot of a lot of um, money that was spent on internet presence at the time, and still um, uh, it was starting to become crunch time where companies, uh, you know, C-level execs needed to prove that the money they invested <laughs> was, was going to turn into something. So we spent a lot of effort in that, that previous agency in Chicago, helped turn visitors into customers and, uh, you know, really focus on how is this person going to actually, are they going to buy something? <laughs> um, uh, and then prove it, Right. Um, and that could mean a, a, a subscription. It could mean shoes. Meant a lot of different things at the time uh, for that wide-ranging agency. But uh, as a result, what ended up happening is I, I became really obsessed with with um, you know through the early two thousands with with that attribution of you know the sale attribution on online. And um, and at the same time, I had a I had a friend who. Um, who uh, uh, was kind of introduced to this world of community banking that existed for, you know, ever in this country is a start of banks were community banks here in the United States. He was, um, you know, he, he was like, Hey John, you know, there's this really interesting thing here with these community banks. They have really bad web presences and this is 2003 or so. Um, and today they still primarily have bad web presences. A lot of them do, but the, uh, you know, you're talking about thousands and thousands of, of small, um, banks and credit unions that are, that are also small who, who in many ways, um, uh, were not necessarily thinking about acquiring accounts or selling accounts and services online. They were instead, you know, 
brought into that world of that you may remember in the late nineties, which was everyone had to have a, a, a brochure, right? That was their website. <laughs> right. You got to have that web right because there. everyone walked in because it was right. a community. Right. Right? It's very much a, a branch based uh, uh, business. And so what I attempted to do initially was, um, was help bring the idea of selling accounts and services to, um, to, to community banks. And, you know, at the time there were some like fits and starts of it at the big bank level. What was happening overwhelmingly at kind of that smaller level was, um, was many of them felt it was illegal or against regulations. Unethical even or gray, right? It's kind of like trying to sell like um, uh, referral services to a doctor or psychiatrist. There's kind of like this sleaze, like a sleaziness to it, right? A little bit, yeah. yeah. Yeah, when I go and, to Wells Fargo, it, remember Wells Fargo, and they were like, like you could even walk in there with them not trying to like sell you a credit card, and they got in trouble for it. You better believe it. That yeah, was, that was pretty rough. That was really, yeah. those were brutal days. I think I probably still have a couple somehow somewhere um, <laughs> that I don't know about. What first ROI was was hey, you know, let's build a um, a content management system. You know, this is, it was SaaS before we called it SaaS, but content management system and uh, account acquisition uh, uh, sort of strategy. So uh, search engine optimization, paid search marketing, all that kind of stuff. And um, and digital account opening tool. Don't call it templatize it, but effectively, you know, make it scale uh, approachable from pricing perspective to these, to these organizations. And so we, you know, and, and, and the way all this really came about was, was, um, was in order to learn the business, I had this really incredible um, uh, introduction to this gentleman named James in uh, in Taylor, Texas, which is about forty miles or thirty miles from from downtown Austin. And um, and and Taylor, Texas, at the time was a kind of a farming town, about ten thousand people or so. And he had one of the two banks that he was responsible for there. And so uh, he let me just kind of camp out there. <laughs> And, and learn, you know, what, what, what was, what, what he thought was holding him back. And, uh, and he was very progressive, uh, gentleman and, and his bank was very progressive. The way that, that I saw the world, thankfully kind of jived with the way that he wanted his bank to go. And, um, and, and so we had a, a, that sort of sounding board and maybe it was just an echo in some ways. I don't know. Uh, uh, but it gave, it gave me the courage to say, you know, let's, let's kind of keep pressing along this path. But that's that's uh, in itself is, is that that in itself is pretty difficult, right? Because you have a bias from being a digital marketer, right? Somebody that sells something. They have a bias because this is how we've always done it, right? And then coming together to deliver a service or a product, right? Like, and what is the right thing to do? And I mean that that really is what it takes. It separates the wheat of the chaff of a successful startup is that conversation with the customer and how you guys are going to give in to each other to try something. I can't, I can't tell you. I mean, you know, I'll, I'll leave James, James in particular out of this because the, the, the guy was very much and is very much an anomaly and his bank is very much an anomaly compared to the vast majority of the banks that I, you know, in the credit unions that we worked with over time. And he is very forward thinking for, for his time and for where he was in the country. What, 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 the, what that guy in particular and his bank had done is they actually had, you know, well prior to me coming along, they had a mandate in their in their bank that, hey, you know, we have online banking. At the time, this was, you know, 2005. They had online banking. They had invested in online banking. They said, anybody should be able to bank with us anywhere in the world. 
You know, they need to get their account here in the U.S., but if they move somewhere else, we should be able to serve them. And so I've got to, you know, I got to give them mega props for that. I mean, that was, you know, way ahead, which is wonderful. Um, but at the same time, yes, we <laughs> had many conversations um, with, uh, you know, as you start, as I started to kind of take the product to market, right? Um, I mean, there, there was one one conversation in particular that was just, it was, uh, it was pivotal for me, maybe, maybe a year and a half later. Uh, you know, just trying to beat my uh, beating my head against the wall, talking to bankers and saying, "Hey, look, you know, there's this thing called search engine optimization. There's this thing <laughs> called paid search marketing. Let me teach you about it. Let me teach you about how to acquire accounts online. All this stuff." And you know, quite frankly, they're like, "You know, who are you? Right? You're not from banking. Right. You don't understand this space." Uh, and, and and so I understand that. But this one conversation in particular, and I I, I talk about it in this book I wrote once. The, the Go conversation ahead, is, is, What's is it called? it's called bankruption. Uh, it was about disruption in banking back in, you know, this is, uh, I published it in 2017, 2016. Love it. Like that, you can get, on Amazon. You can get uh, on Amazon? Oh yeah, you can get on Amazon. It's a wonderful ba- a book, uh, to be quite frank. I, I say buy it for the drinking stories. There's a lot of good drinking stories. In this. <laughs> anyway, it's probably the only business book published through Wiley that has more drinking stories in it than anything else. Uh, but uh, <laughs> but the, the, um, uh, uh, the point is there's this gentleman who was a CFO of a bank and I was trying to sell his bank. And I just, I, I had a conversation with this guy. It was like a standing conversation every week. He did, you know, he just kind of at some point, we didn't have it like marked on the calendar, but I bugged him every freaking Friday afternoon because I knew he was in the office and he had nothing going on. So, so, so I could use as a time to learn from him and everything else, but he's, he's a CFO. And so I knew that that was a position that I needed to understand at the bank and because they were very much a decision maker for buying my product and service. And so, you know, I, I was talking to him, his name was Dale. And I said, Dale, you know, dear Lord, you know, this pitch better than me. Like you understand what I'm telling you about paid search marketing and search engine optimization at the time and all this stuff better than like anybody, any other banker in the country. And you still have not signed the deal. What is going on? And he said, he said, John, if you want me to buy it, uh, you should put your money where your mouth is. I said, okay, what does that mean? He said, price it so that if I make, if, if I get new accounts, you will benefit. And if I don't get new accounts through your strategies, then I don't lose. And you're the one who loses. I changed my, well, our team changed the pricing that day, but then I had a team. We changed our pricing. And uh, uh, of course he signed, which was great. And everything kind of took off. We went to this like success-based pricing model and it was just gangbusters. In fact, about two years later, it was so gangbusters. I had to call a client and say, look, I'm about to send you an invoice for about 10 times more than we deserve. Um, and, 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 And if you agree with me, if you agree with me, we should we should change the pricing, change our contracts because our contract we're delivering too much success. And they did agree. <laughs> we were going to be charging them way too much money, and it's strange. So we then yeah. reverted our, our pricing, but um, you know, but that's what it took in order to convince this group of customers who 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 were that's not attenuated to. That's what the market needed. Yeah, for, there you to go. validate, right? I mean, like you either that or you had no customers, right? So. Absolutely right. A big part of the story that's missing here is we, you know, the reason I got into banking and everything is is one of my good buddies who who is still today he's the CEO of Casasa. And prior to this, he was um, he was the CEO of a company called Bankview, which uh, which 
you know, in many ways, we kind of grew up together. Bankview and First ROI, uh, we're, we were, you know, uh, offering different products and services to the same market. And Bankview had kind of caught wind of this idea, the success-based sales pricing strategy um, way prior to the world to, to me. Uh, you know, I maybe I just wasn't listening or anything else, but uh, Gabe um, and, and the team that, that he had around him, our, our old chairman, Don Schaefer, had that kind of ingrained in their philosophy from 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 the beginning that they would they would they would price based on this and um it's just a it, it's a you know real natural everyone's aligned to the same objective right it's a natural sales uh pricing mentality and so if you can get there what a what a crazy good score because it just opened up the the planet for us and so then they brought you into casasa they bought you casasa Kasasa. Yeah, don't say Kasasa. Kasasa. <laughs> so, yeah, that's not, that's not good. It just sat, I think that even sounds obnoxious. Kasasa. <laughs> what, what ended up happening was when Bankview was very much a startup and First ROI was a startup, we, we kind of looked at each other and we said, you know, one of our companies is going to succeed. Um, and we'll just agree to hire the <laughs> yeah, other one. Right. Uh, and, and thankfully, both companies, uh, grew they did incredibly well you know a few years in we we were all officing together we all shared the same values and and everything else i mean we all we were going to the same parties right we had the same company parties and everything else even though we were two different companies and uh um, so it just made a lot of sense to um uh bank view bought my company uh gabe's a much better ceo than 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 i am and and so gabe became the ceo i became the chief innovation officer and and then and and that's when you know at that time we were experimenting with this idea called casasa together two companies were experimenting on this casasa branded uh product strategy until that time had never been done in in banking other than like visa or mastercard and and we were seeing the incredible success that Casasa was actually doing in the market. And so we said, you know, let's bring this all in under one thing and let's put all the, put all the wood behind the Casasa arrow. And what was Casasa? Uh, Casasa is still exists today. It's, it's a, uh, it's a branded um, set of retail products and services that are very distinct. So think about it like, like a branded auto loan. Um, branded checking accounts and savings accounts, but they're very different from other products in the market. So, <clears throat> so whereas like a traditional auto loan, in other words, the, the difference isn't just the brand called Casasa. The difference is the way the product works. So like um, uh, a traditional auto loan, you'll, you'll, you know, get a car or whatever, and you'll have to pay $400 a month, let's say, right? You're paying $400 a month, $400 a month. And when you talk to the average borrower and you say, hey, did you realize that if you pay more than $400, you can actually you know, pay off this loan early? Yeah, I hate being in debt. I realized that if I paid a little bit more each month, I could pay it off early and be out of debt. Okay, cool. Do you have enough money to pay? Yeah, I got like $430, $450 each month. I could, you know, I could put some extra money towards it. Okay, well, why don't you? And the number one reason is is basically in case shit happens, in case stuff mm-hmm. happens. I, right. No, no. This know, is an explicit. This is, this is an explicit show. You can say whatever you want. Sorry. Uh, yeah. yeah. But but I mean that's really what it comes down to is in case you know Jack comes home with a broken arm, 
I need that extra money just in case something happens. If, if the air conditioner explodes, uh, you know, I need, I need that money. If I give it to the bank, sure. I get out of debt faster, but then I'm going to have to borrow no money from the bank. Yeah. No, yeah. Reserve. I need, I need the reserves. It's, and they're not going to borrow so, it. I mean, you're a, you're a, you're a, you're a average Joe, like getting a bank loan is like pulling teeth. Absolutely. And so what, what ends up happening? Well, then I got to put on credit card. And then I got to convince myself that the points are somehow worth the expense and interest and everything else, right? So, so what uh, a Casasa loan is at its fundamental stage, it's for auto, and I think they're doing mortgage, rolling out mortgage this year finally. Um, uh, what it is is, is, is think of it as uh, uh, a loan that you can pay extra amounts into. So you can pay, you know, 450 on the 400, but that extra $50 gets put into, um, think of it as like a, a reserve account where you can take back that money, that extra money at any time, penalty free instantly. Uh, and so it's available inside of your checking account as soon as you need it, right? You use the app and you dial down the amount of money. And the great part about it is it doesn't extend your, you know, if you had a, a 60 month auto loan, it doesn't turn it into a 72 or a 65. It keeps it right at that exact same thing. So it's a, you know, there's a lot of really interesting IP around it. Um, it was incredibly challenging problems to solve and had an amazing team to kind of help work through all of that, that stuff. But that's an example of, of Kasasa products. And then, and then uh, the individual credit unions or, and uh, community banks distribute those products and sell those products through to their, uh, to their customer base. How did, you, how did the community banks benefit from that? product. I understand how the consumer. Um, uh, there's a number of ways, uh, you know, and so for each, for each type of product, we have, you know, performas and everything else that, that, that show, uh, like, like for instance, on the, on the loan side, it's basically an IQ test. Whenever you ask the customer, Hey, would you rather a loan if prices are the same? So in other words, the rate is the same. Would you rather a loan that you can pay extra money into and pull that money out anytime penalty free in case something happens? Or a loan that's like your standard loan where your money's locked away forever. <laughs> right. Like, oh, I'll take the the Casasa one, right? Um, right. And so, so part of like, for instance, on the on the on the loan side of the coin, it's you get more loans uh, because compared to your competitors, you know, you've got the better loan. Uh, we also then get into all the data around, you know, how many more loans does that customer actually bring to the to the bank or the credit union. Uh, how much longer they stay, all that kind of stuff. So you try to figure out like what are the primary metrics that a, a bank typically looks at whenever they're looking at a positive, uh, you know, relationship with a customer, and uh, find how do I make this happen? And then you talk to the customer and say, what are the positive benefits that you want? <laughs> right. How do I make this happen? And then you know you've got to find that that right balance, right? That 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 optimal mix. And then you know somewhere in there there needs to be a, a return for the company. And so as long as you can get all three of those things in balance, which is not easy, um, then you've developed a, a, a great product. Wow, that's that's a really fascinating story. And I mean, you could say Casasa kind of sort of looks like a neobank type product. Oh, absolutely. Right? Yeah, I, I think Casasa in a lot of ways would would um, would see itself as, you know, kind of the, the first of probably the only in many ways multi-tenant uh, neobank, you know, with, with, in, in a lot of ways there, yeah, they've got a number of different institutions, um, who all have very, I mean, 
you know, when you look at them, you call them community banks and call them credit unions, but they all have very individual identities, individual goals, individual, you know, uh, markets that they go after in a lot of ways. But finding that common thread and weaving that uh, through, you know, what is now maybe a, a thousand institutions, uh, you know, Casasa does a just an incredible job uh, delivering what I I believe and what these institutions would probably believe uh, be uh, really great value to the consumer. Now that and and great value to the community banks because they're you know fighting up against these big giant monolith, you know, like absolutely uh, traded banks, and you know it's hard to compete with those marketing budgets and that brand recognition, and they need products to sell. And yet, you know, a well, lot and, of their, you know, that's, a lot that's, of their constituents are underserved. You know, they don't have a lot of money, right? Or, you know, they might not have you know the the same type of of access. You know, you, you nailed it. Like when, when, <laughs> I mean, I, I remember Gabe and I, and, and you know, there were obviously others, but I just, I remember uh, Gabe and myself being in this conversation a lot in, in, you know, around 2007, 2008, we'd sit and look. And even during that time, I mean, you remember that time period, that was a not necessarily the best financial time period, uh, uh, but our institutions as a network, if, you know, we, at the time, you know, our, our, Two companies, Bankview and, and First RR, offering this product set that that uh, of, of checking accounts and savings accounts is what they were at, at that time. That that were individually branded. So, in other words, if you're you know David Paul's bank, you might call it Super Checking, our special checking account. You call it Super Checking, or you call it Green Savings, or whatever, right? And and um, and that's just the way that banks all do it. They come up with some name and then they they market it themselves, whatever we were just kind of like, man, you know, there's this, there's at the time I, I seem to remember the number was like $50 million that the network of banks and credit unions were, were spending to advertise just our products and services wow. annually. And no one at the time could talk like if you're in Scottsdale. I'm in Austin. I couldn't be like, Hey, David, you should go get this crazy good checking account that pays 5% interest whenever you swipe your debit card 10 times and uh, um, you take an e-statement. And you, mm -hmm. because you go, well, where did you get that from? I'm like, well, my local bank. Oh, I don't have that local bank here. Yeah, just, just ask for this product, <laughs> right? right. Uh, my bank calls it go-go gadget checking. And you're right. like, well, you know, and, and so, and so the conversation dies, right? There's no network effect. And so right. what we realized was we needed a brand because we work, you know, Casasa and Bankview and First ROI were very dedicated to only working with community institutions. Uh, what that meant was we needed a brand that could be talked about from coast to coast the same so that it could be shared, right, online and on phone and just say, hey, just go find a Casasa account. Find an institution that has a Casasa account. And then that would, you know, instantly change the story. And so, so you know, we had this hunch. And then as we brought it to market, we started to see that actually happen where, you know, the institutions would open so many more accounts when they were under this, like, you know, brand. It wasn't necessarily that our branding was better than that institution's branding for their products. It was just the fact that, you know, it was louder and louder noise, right? <laughs> you start mm -hmm. to see right. 40, 50 million dollars underneath it. Now, now it's, you know, in the public consciousness, you see, you know, thousands of po positive articles whenever you Google the name uh, about the accounts. And so just really kind of changed the game. And, you know, like I said, it was, 
it was something that until that time, you know, it was only really done by MasterCard or Visa. Definitely a wild, um, a wild uh, thing. And uh, it's great to see that it, it's still, you know, very, very profitable for institutions and great for customers today. That's great. And then, so tell me about the transition from Casasa to Nerve. Well, you know, I mean, the, I, I don't, it's, it's funny, like, uh, you know, in many ways, uh, of course, I'm still connected to Casasa and yeah, there's, there's a, there's a lot that Casasa does today that very interested in, and, and Nerve, I mean, we, uh, Ben and I, my, my partner and I just had a, a chat with, uh, a team at Casasa like last month about st- we call it uh you know st- shit we learned and it's uh <laughs> and it's stuff that we learned while building nerve that we wanted to share with that team because you know hey don't don't make these mistakes <laughs> yeah transmission right like let's let, let yeah i mean you're you're paving the way for more innovative products exactly yeah i mean it's so uh it's so you know we we definitely have a still have a very strong relationship but um but i would say that ultimately it ended up happening was um uh i i i really so in the in this book that i i i mentioned earlier i i talk a lot in there about um about you know because the book itself is specifically for community based institutions that um that are looking at the writing on the wall and, and going, wow, we need to find a way to transition to, you know, to cross the chasm or whatever, you know, phrase you want to use to, to be viable for the next generation. Um, and so uh, it's so really where that book uh, came from was a, a um, somebody called me up one day in my office and he said, John, you don't know me. I recognized his last name as the last name of a, a, a family that owned a very successful bank client of ours. He said, you don't know me. Um, I'm a, uh, I'm an investor in New York and, um, and, uh, and I've just been asked by my family to come back home and take over the the family bank. And he's, and I said, wow, congratulations. He said, he said, he said, man, I'm scared as hell. What do you mean by this? (laughs) This is like 2014 or so. What do you mean by this? And he goes, he said, John, I talked to all my investor buddies and tell them that I'm going to get into community banking. And they all said, run, (laughs) (laughs) sell the bank. And he's like, I can't sell the bank. I'll never be invited to family dinner. Like I I can't go for Christmas if I sell the bank. He said, I was like, so what are you calling me for? He said, he said, what are other banks doing? What are other credit unions doing? And, uh, and so really that's what kicked off the book is I thought it would just be like a two week project. So I went on the road and talked to, I found our, some of our more successful, you know, when I look at metrics, uh, institutions, whether they were related to Casas or not, just how they were performing, found some who weren't, who were doing terrible. And I decided to go talk to, to both of them, both sets and, huh, and figure right. out, you know, what, what was going on here? What was it a leadership thing? Was it a, I mean, yeah, there's so many different dynamics. Anyway, that what, what what came of that was uh, was was the book, and then in the book, you know, I I, I I spent a lot of time talking about like you know this evolution of community and how community is no longer defined by the hills, rivers, railroad tracks that used to define a geography that FDIC, FDIC said, you know, this is the community, and you got to generate accounts from these, this community. But instead, obviously, it's it's more related to stuff we talked to at the, talked about at the top of the program, and that that just really resonated with me, you know, obviously it wasn't my own thinking. It was, you know, everybody else kind of telling me that, you know, they, the, some of the companies that were the, the, the banks that were really 
changing their paradigm were focused on this fact that they could they could kind of focus their bank in a new way. Like there's mm-hmm. this one bank in the Northeast that that um, that made a very dedicated like from from the bottom of the organization all the way to the top, top all the way back down, sort of classic dedication on uh, female entrepreneurs, women entrepreneurs. And that was like their focus. And, and the shift was incredible in their, like everything about it and what they were doing was just remarkable to, you know, to see and to learn and to feel as you talk to these people, you know, and, 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 and then as you go and talk to their customers, like, it's incredible. It was, and, and, and they it, have the opportunity to do that because they're really like, they can niche off like that. Absolutely. Because, absolutely. because they don't have to like, worry about cool. mixed messaging. Why wouldn't you do that? This is yours Why to lose is basically right. the point of my book. Like, it was, right. It was like, you know, you, you have this opportunity. You are the incumbent. You've already got a base of customers. Listen to your customers. Figure out, you know, I'm not saying take, you know, 95% of your customer base and kick them to the curb. I'm saying, who are you going to target? Who are you going to focus on, right? And then, right. and then, and then grow from there. And that that's that's stuck in my brain, and like it, it would not get out of my brain. The fact that you know there's this massive opportunity to serve customers or to serve people or businesses in ways that just are not being served, and particularly going after businesses that maybe have never been served. That just, I don't know what to say. It just kind of ate me alive. And I was, I was like, you know, I, I, I just have to focus on this. I, 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 I can't, I, almost, I, I, I just, I was a terrible person to be around. I couldn't, I couldn't function <laughs> That's anymore. That's like me every day. I, yeah, maybe, yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's like my, my persona on Yana. It's like, I just, every day, just terrible to be around. Oh, come on. Uh, but I, 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 but it is, you know, it was something that was just, you know, it was, it was burning a hole in my brain. You know, it was just something we needed to do. Okay. So what's nerve? Uh, nerve is a, uh, it's it, on the, basically the way you see it today, I'll tell you where you see it today. And then I can tell you where we're, where we're headed. Uh, what it looks like today, free business checking account, savings account for a music creator. Um, and it's, you know, got a really cool app with a lot of interesting features that are very specifically focused on that music creator and music creator is, uh, um, like think of that as like a, everyone from, you know, I'm in a band to a songwriter or DJ, somebody like that, where, where we're heading here in a couple of weeks is, uh, we want to be the embedded banking service for the creator economy. And that means a whole host of things, but that's, that's, I mean, for us, it means Which something the, ta- very, the tailwinds, yeah, but the tailwinds are incredible in that. It's been uh, yes, yes. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you know, the I have nothing still- else to add than that. Just go keep going. Bye bye. I really know for saying really smart shit on my podcast. Like the tailwinds are incredible. <laughs> That's well, awesome. I mean, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the, the creator economy today is like 70 to 100 million. Um, you know, it, it grew something like 40% year over year from, you know, last year to your prior. I mean, it, it's definitely an exploding market. And, you know, certainly COVID and everyone talks about the great resignation and all this, you know, stuff that's happening. Certainly has things to do with it. The very fact that you have your own podcast right now. I mean, you know, there's, it's another example of the fact that, um, uh, people are realizing that they can be, they can offer value, um, 
and also people who have always wanted to offer value in the form of their creation have have struggled um to be quite honest they've struggled from a um from a financial perspective and and in our opinion a large part of that is is first of all just the inaccessibility uh the barriers that are put in front of you know if you're a startup or you're a small business owner or in, in, in the creative space, which I, I have, and I've, I've been in it now for, you know, I've per, per personally been this person, even when I had quote unquote full-time job, you know, at, at Kasasa and it was this, I, I, I had this, uh, I had other, I had record labels. I had other things that I was doing to fulfill that sort of creative need, you know, inside of my, my body. And, and, and so that I've always had other, you know, businesses and getting a, getting just something as basic as a business checking account for a small business is so incredibly challenging, whether it was 20 years ago or it's two days ago, it's incredibly challenging. It's way too difficult. So we make it super easy. Uh, with NERV, it takes about, uh, about 30 seconds. <laughs> you download the app and you're and you're off to the races and you're approved with uh, FDIC insured um, debit and savings account for your business and um, and so we thought you know we are already doing this for music creators uh, there's some really interesting problems that we solved that actually other creators were trying to up like they were opening accounts and I was actively booting them off because <laughs> they weren't musicians. And I was sitting there right. going, I'm sorry, we yeah. can't serve you. And mm-hmm. and then it occurred to me, well, goodness gracious. Yeah. <laughs> what am I doing? Yeah, we're so, too, yeah, uh, we're, maybe we're, we're, we're too niche <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you know, it, we, we <laughs> it may have been a little too niche but, you know, it, it was also maybe a little too, yeah, headstrong in that, in that, in that way. And, and to be frank, I mean, I I I I am that person. I am the person who would like who would totally apply for the mus- music creator bank account just so I could have an account for my business like right away, right? So right, I, right. I mean, you know, there's no other way. To, there's nobody else really, really who, who who's doing this in sort of an elegant um, fashion, specifically for this type of business. And so, so anyway, so that's. Uh, uh, that's what we're doing. And so, so on the, so right now we have like this, you know, this really nice app and stuff. And, uh, and in a couple of weeks, what you'll see is, as I mentioned, embedded banking. And what that means ultimately is, is that other companies, other services can actually, um, take our, 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 our own services and put them inside of their ecosystem. And so, so, uh, um, so in a couple of weeks, we'll have some public APIs and, uh, ready to go. It'll be, what is that? Two Wednesdays from now. Uh, so, so what is that? Uh, February 24th ish, February 25th of, uh, 22. We'll have APIs available for companies to do things like, um, if you're a company that makes a payment to a creator. So, you know, that, that you can see that as like maybe, a uh, if, you know, we talked about Wiley or, you know, you, if you, if you self published a book and, mm-hmm. uh, you have a book to distrib- for instance, and that distributor mm-hmm. pays you uh, royalties whenever the stuff sells. Those payouts typically are, you know, they're they're, they're either low amounts uh, in nature, um, uh, in which case um, sending that money for that company is expensive, 
because as we mentioned, you as a creator may have a PayPal account or something like that. And getting money to there is, is expensive. Or you try to send a check, in which case then as a creator, you don't have a, a bank account. So you go to a check cashing place, which we see way too much. Um, yeah. Cost- Just predatory, right? Night- nightmarish amounts of money. Yep. And, uh, and so so anyway, so by ending the cycle, what we do is we, we allow these companies to embed our APIs to make instant payouts to David. So in other words, we're not saying while the company can pay David as instantly as their own money comes in, if they want to keep like a monthly payout schedule, that's fine. But what it allows David to do is as soon as that payout happens, David doesn't have to to wait the typical three to four days for an ACH to his personal checking account or um, or wait for uh, whatever, you know, uh, even a wire to show up the next day the money's available to spend on his nerve card in his nerve account instantly. So David gets the access to the money right away. Um, and the company saves a boatload of money in moving the money. So we have like the lowest cost payout rate or payment cost in the, uh, that I've ever seen. Uh, so, so it allows a, a company that makes that currently, I mean, some of these companies will spend 10 or $20 million a year on fees uh, just to make payouts to their creators, and uh, and 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 they and some of these survive on very thin margins. So what we enable for the company is is um, obviously now they can maybe hire another hire that they need because now they they're saving a good chunk of money, and uh, and for the creator they get paid faster and cheaper, and the money in FDIC insured, and all the other benefits that are in the account. So is the goal to eventually nerve to get their own charter? I wouldn't say that. I'd say the, the, the goal today, I mean, certainly some fintechs have, have thought that'd be interesting and some have gone that path. Our, our goal today is actually to enable any number of companies to use, um, to use our, let me, let, me, let me see if I can describe this differently. If you think about a traditional bank and you go and get an account with a traditional bank, what ends up happening, David, is, is you know, that bank will kind of put walls around you as much as, the, as, they, as they can. And they'll build their own products and services, their own loan, their own mortgage. They'll price their own mortgage and be like, hey, David, have we got the, the thing that you need? You know, we know it better than anybody else. So, you know, here, take our stuff. What we're uh, looking to do is instead we're taking the path that we're never going to build all the right solutions for the creator economy, for you in particular as a creator. We're not going to build, the, we're not going to create the world's greatest loan for you. Right. We want other companies. Your tech business, other companies finance too. business. Yeah. Yep. So, so what we want to do is give, give those companies the rails to make you offers that you really are interested in. And to make a product built for you. So our our hope is is by embedding our capabilities inside of these services, these services can actually offer. For instance, we don't lend um, advances to creators. Instead, we're actively working with companies that already make advances to creators to help them get that money fa- to the creator faster and cheaper. Right. If you're an advanced company today, the fastest you can get something to David is uh, is a wire 
which is $30 or $20 if you got to deal with the bank. We can get that money instantly with no cap. You know, we can get David $500,000 almost, you know, it takes one second <laughs> near right. instantly. And it's available for David to spend right now. And, and, and that, by the way, costs 10 cents. So what are you going to do? Are you going to, are you going to continue, you know, sending wires or can you just use our APIs and make this really, you know, incredible product that you already offer uh, by using and, and just make it even better uh, by using our, our capabilities. So, um, so that's, you know, that's what, what we're most interested in and, and what we hope plays out. Uh, I'd rather, I'd rather, not um, go down the the road of a charter. I'd much rather you know find companies who you know if you're if you're already a, a chartered company, if you're already a bank or a credit union, you may want to use um, our rails to uh, to make an offer for a credit card to mm-hmm. David. And um, and you know we know transaction history, we know uh, we know income uh, history, and so you know potentially you would use us for for mortgage information if you're lending mm-hmm. and making a mortgage to David. So you know that that's something that doesn't exist in the creator economy today. There's so your if bank you want to make a, a loan, yeah, your your bank does not have a monopoly on your customers. You can pipe any type that, of financial right. service or product to them. That's yeah, exactly that's and 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 and. and and, and conversely, if you're a creator, one of your biggest challenges in financial speaking is is getting get it, buying a house, getting a good rate on a an, on a car. You you can't do it if that's your because because your money comes in through PayPal and through a variety of different apps that that most lenders either don't look at or or can't credibly uh, account for <laughs> where this money is coming from. And so mm-hmm. so you know we we. We'd like to be that data source. How would an entrepreneur set up a relationship with a FDIC insured bank to to go about doing this? You know, for any type of, of vertical. I mean, because I hear a lot of people talk about me at Neo Banks. You're the only guy who I've actually seen do it. The the path that 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 entrepreneurs will typically take, and the one that um, that I'd say is full of uh, caveat, full of risks, but but is one that is very common today is called uh, banking as a service. And these are like uh, essentially on ramps to different uh, banks. So you can think of it as kind of like a middleware of sorts to talk or work with a partner with a, a bank. There's a whole host of these types of companies that have come out in the last couple of years. You know, I, I, I've heard great stories and horror stories from uh, from different different companies, different people who have tried to uh, to do it. I I, I got to say, you know, regardless of you know whether or, or or you can work directly with a bank, you can work directly with a credit union, right? And um, and that also can come with its own caveats. Mm-hmm. Um, but the reality is, um, you know, there's a there's a level of project management that you need on on both sides. To keep yourself and your team honest, as well as you know, um, you know, if there's a bank or if there's a another company in the mix, there's a there's a there's you know some really intense goal setting and um, and you know mechanics that you need uh, on the front side of that, so that this doesn't turn into a um, scope creep nightmare uh, situation. But you know, I feel like we could probably have a whole another three shows around um, around how not to do it or, or what have you, but <laughs> right. we, um, 
you know, the, the reality is that that it's a uh, you know the the tra- if there is a traditional way, the traditional path these days, or the path that's probably paid. seen more the as most like a paid. Short- yeah, yeah, is um, is the banking as a service platforms. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I, I'd I'd say that's that's usually kind of the the place where most of these companies start. And do you need to have any type of critical mass? Like, do you need to have a product with these customers on it to get through the, you know, the wall, or is is it pretty much kind of like a innovation type section of the bank where they let any startup try it? No, I mean, there may be a bank out there that does that, uh, but most Mm -hmm. most of these institutions, you know, while while the banking and service company may not have. Maybe they do. Maybe they don't have too many um, barriers to, to entry. The institutions usually do. The institutions usually mm-hmm. have you know, capital requirements. They have. They they want to know that perhaps you've done this before or you've been involved right. in banking. Uh, uh, you know, they there's a there's a there's a decent amount of due diligence that they want to do because the last thing they want is you to be bringing in customers into their bank that that uh, or accounts into their bank that are not uh doing banks mm-hmm. cool so yeah well it's definitely a due diligence yeah so t- this has been great john um you know what i really pulled out of this is there really is no shortcut whether if it's from kasasa you know your first agency or, or with this there's no really shortcut to product market fit Right. It just takes constant, constant conversations, which is why really the operator is, is in the founder is like so valuable. And I've got no interest in doing any of that. I like to, you know, back the guys that do all the work. Um, but it's, uh, it's, it's absolutely incredible. Um, if anyone's going to crack this nut, it's you. So I'm, um, I'm really excited to see Nerve get, get launched. A uh, couple Thank quick you. canned questions. Um, Favorite book is a bankruption. Do you like to read it, you know, over and over again? I like to listen to my own podcasts. Uh, I, I would actually say Critical Path uh, from uh, uh, Buckminster Fuller. I, I still read that probably once every three years, once every two years. Okay. It's, it's a great best piece of business advice you've ever received. I think there's one that that isn't really business advice, but it's one that uh, you know what. I would just stick with people do things for their reasons, not yours. Oof, I like that. You, you, you can't force people to. <laughs> no. <laughs> They're going to do no. things, you know, for their reasons. <clears throat> yeah, 100%. Um, okay. Do you own any stocks right now? Any interesting publicly traded companies that, uh, that you really think are uh, worth following that you're super bullish on? I've uh, I've been dyed in the wool crypto guy for a very long time. Really? Okay. Stop, you know, buy that dip, enjoy it. it. It is it is nice. The prices are pretty good in the crypto market right now. Uh, John, where can uh, where can we find you online? You know, where can people ask you questions? How can they follow Nerves Progress? Yeah, you can always find me uh, on LinkedIn. I'm the guy with the funny last name. There's nobody else on LinkedIn with with the name Wapsh. Uh, so. Watch. Uh, um, Maybe there is. Maybe my sister's on there. Oh, she's got a different name. So yeah, you'll find me. Uh, so the uh, um, the real way to go, go to Nerve.pro. Do it. Go to Nerve.pro. Download the app. Check it out. As I mentioned, it's free. It's easy to, to get started. And, uh, um, you know, send us a note through customer service. I still, I still, 
you know, read all the customer service stuff. You gotta, you gotta stay engaged. So um, that's always a good one too. Awesome. John, thank you so much for getting on the show. That's John Wapsh, everybody from uh, Nerve, a neobank for musicians on getting product market fit and, you know, creating TAM expansion for the underserved. Thanks a lot, John. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to the Capital Stack Podcast. Make sure to share this with someone you know that can benefit from this content. Remember to support this show by rating, reviewing, and subscribing. David Paul is the founder and general partner at DWP Capital. 